Hi there, and welcome to the Positive Talk Podcast. Your hosts, Julie and Chuck, are pretty excited about Season 4 and encourage you to settle in, take a deep breath, and enjoy this week's episode while they merge faith and psychology with a twist of encouragement. So, welcome again to the Positive Talk Podcast. Here are your hosts, Julie Homrich and Chuck Allen. It's a great day to find an encouraging and positive word here at the Positive Talk Podcast. And thank you so much for that introduction. So today, I am actually missing my good friend and co-host, Chuck Allen. But I am so excited to give you guys an insider's look at a new treatment for child and teen anxiety. This is developed by Dr. Ellie Lebowitz. He's a psychologist at Yale University. So I want to start by crediting the program that I recently received this training from. And the acronym that they use is called SPACE, but it stands for Supportive Parenting for Anxious Childhood Emotions. So I recently took part in this fascinating training to help equip mental health professionals to bring space to their communities. And of course, I count you, our Positive Talk podcast listeners, as an extension of our community. So I'm super excited to bring this revolutionary training approach to you today. Now, I do want to start by clarifying, as we therapists do, that I'm not offering medical advice because each situation varies depending on the child or the adolescent in question. But I simply want to generalize a few of the practical concepts shared in the space training so that you can actually examine or begin to examine your own relationship with anxiety and your child's relationship to it as well. And then maybe start implementing a bit of a paradigm shift. So if your child or your teen struggles with anxiety that is pretty severe, maybe impairing their functioning, I do always recommend getting connected to a mental health professional who can help you walk out what I'm going to share with you today in a more specialized way. So if you visit the SPACE website, you can actually find a list of SPACE-trained providers in your area, and that's www.spacetreatment.net. Now, SPACE is a research-based approach. And it's been shown to be effective in treating anxiety in both kids and teens. So for the purposes of the podcast today, when I use the word child, we're just going to assume I mean children and teens. Okay, so all those disclaimers aside, let's dig in. Now, I have both a personal and a professional interest in this topic because one of my children struggled with some moderate to severe separation anxiety at a few points in their early childhood years. So I can really relate to that feeling of despair that comes when it feels like you've just tried everything to change your child's behavior. And for some reason, they are just stuck in their fears. Now, what we know about anxiety is that it activates the fight or flight response in the brain. So you may see your child's anxiety manifested in different ways. It might be in avoidance behaviors. So this is that flight aspect, right? We see this a lot in social anxiety, avoiding things because of the anxiety. But you also might see anxiety manifested in aggressive behaviors. Because remember, the other half of fight or flight is fight. 
Now, you may feel frustrated, as I did, that you can't just change your child, right? But I want to give you a promise today that the space developers promised me when I took the training. Today, I'm not going to ask you to change your child's behavior. Now, the beautiful thing about space is that the interventions employed are all within your control as the parent. And this is really fascinating because in space treatment, in person, the child doesn't even need to be present for the treatment. Okay, so you're probably wondering, how is this even possible? Okay, so I'm going to start with the basics. Let's begin with how anxiety creates a relationship between you and your child. So we all know that here as humans, we're mammals, right? And as parents, we are biologically hardwired to want to protect our children. I think of the phrase mama bear, right? It hasn't been slapped on millions of t-shirts and hats and pajamas for no reason, right? This is an inborn response that we have as parents to protect, and it's all very, very natural. Our child struggles, and as a response, we want to help alleviate that struggle. Now, in typical development, this is appropriate and even helpful, but when a child develops anxiety, their brain actually determines that non-threatening things are threats. And therefore, this requires parents to go beyond that typical protective measure to something we call accommodation. Now, the crucial distinction here is that when you accommodate your child when they're experiencing anxiety, you're no longer just protecting your child from a real threat. You are protecting your child from their anxiety by accommodating them. The parents of anxious kids know what this looks like. Your child is anxious to order at the restaurant, so you order for them. Your kid is scared to ride the bus, so you drive them to school every day, even though it might interfere with your work schedule. Maybe you do, as I did at one point, and delay date nights for months because your little guy just has such a hard time with you leaving the house. During that season, I vividly remember kind of strategically moving our little eating out budget line item to DoorDash and Uber Eats. It got pretty bad there for a while, and it was a tough season for reasons much deeper than our food choices. But we made it through, and my little one is thriving now. So what happens when we start to move our world around to avoid our child's anxious responses? Well, a lot of parents might start to get resentful of their child's anxiety. And because it's hard to differentiate in the moment between the anxiety and the child, sometimes our relationship with our child starts to suffer. Now, even though there is a time and a place for helping a child, when we accommodate a child with anxiety, we are sending them a really important message unintentionally. When we accommodate our child's anxiety, we are sending them the message that we don't believe that they can handle their anxiety. This is very disempowering for children, even though our goal at the moment is to try to empower them. So for a visual here, we are essentially standing between the child and their anxiety, right? We're trying to kind of create this block of protection. And at the moment, it may feel protective, but it actually limits our child from learning 
that they don't actually have to be afraid of their anxiety. They can learn to move through it. The goal of space treatment is to help parents move out of the way just enough to let their child face their anxiety with support and see that they can, in fact, handle it. This begins to change the actual circuitry in an anxious child's brain. Whereas before there would be a trigger and they might think, I feel anxious and that's intolerable, so I need someone to rescue me. When you go through this process, it kind of turns into more of a, I feel anxious and that's okay. I don't like it, but it doesn't have to hold me back from doing things. Now, the key in this model comes down to two primary things. When we're working with our children to decrease anxiety, we want to do two things. We want to increase support of our child while simultaneously decreasing accommodations, okay? So increase support, decrease accommodations. Now, how do we do this? Well, I'd, of course, recommend working with a trained space provider, but I want to give you guys just a brief nugget that you can use today, even with your kids immediately following this podcast. All right, so to break it down, when we increase support and decrease accommodations, you might be thinking, okay, what does that mean? So when I say support, for many of us, I think we think that preventing our child from ever feeling any anxiety is support, right? We're like, okay, I'm supporting them by not, by helping them not feel bad. But what oftentimes feels like a loving, supportive response for kids without anxiety, like if they come to you and they need reassurance, you reassure them, right? But for kids with anxiety, this actually becomes a crutch. So it's very counterintuitive because anxiety's catchphrase is never enough, right? You guys, parents who have kids with anxiety, you know what this is like. If you start to go down the path of reassuring the child, you might be there much longer than you'd like to be if you have an anxious kiddo. So if a child comes to you with anxiety and they're just saying, please just stay a little bit longer, and they have separation anxiety, no matter how long you stay, they're going to say that's not long enough. And yet we still want to be there for our kids, right? We want to offer comfort. We want to offer true support. So how do we do that for a kid with anxiety? Now, the space equation is this. You offer a supportive statement plus your confidence in the child. This equals true support. So how do we, how do we word this? I'm going to give you some examples. And there's a key phrase here, and you guys know my favorite word is yet. Um, it's and yet. Okay, so for the child whose social anxiety might make it hard to order at the restaurant, it looks like this. Supportive statement. I know speaking to people you don't know well is hard. And yet, confidence. I believe you can do it. Okay, so for the child who has difficulty sleeping in their own bed at night, you might say something like, sleeping away from us can bring up some fears and it's, and it's difficult for you. And yet, I am confident you can learn how to handle it. If you have a teen who is constantly texting you for reassurance throughout the day, this might look like you saying, you know, I, I know it's hard for you to be away from me. And yet, I am certain you can get through this. 
it needs to have both pieces of this to be effective. You know, when we have confidence in our child and their ability to cope, here's what we show them. We show them that we believe that they are strong, that they can handle their anxiety, and that they'll be okay. Now, I want to make a distinction here. This doesn't mean that we're confident that they'll never feel worried about anything. Our confidence is actually in the fact that they can learn to tolerate their uncomfortable feelings. Okay, so it's not necessarily about giving them confidence to handle maybe one particular situation. It's helping them identify themselves as someone who can feel anxiety and yet still do what is needed. Now, here's why this is so important. If a child is prone to anxiety, chances are good that they'll feel anxiety again sometime in the future, right? And we want them to learn to think of themselves as children who can handle their anxiety. So the goal here isn't that the child never feels anxious because, frankly, that's an unattainable goal, especially for an anxious kid. The goal is that through our mirroring as parents, they become a kid who can say, yeah, you know what? I do get scared sometimes. And yet that is okay because I can handle that. I tell my own kids sometimes that God gives us enough grace for every day. Now, sometimes that's the grace to enjoy the day, and sometimes that's the grace to simply endure the day. We won't always have a grace that everything goes our way, but we can be sure that we will receive grace to endure what does come our way. Now, this framework helps us create a paradigm shift in our thinking about anxiety. And when we start doing that, our kids start to do that as well. Now, here's an interesting thing about anxiety and parenting. Okay, so for those of you who've tried to change or control your kids, your anxious kids, you know what I'm talking about here. When we try to change them, what happens? A lot of times we get resistance or we get pushback. I know for me, there have been times where I've just desperately been trying to get my kid to do their coping skills, and then it gets so bad that I'm the one who needs coping skills by the end of it. So our goal in space, it isn't to try to control or demand things from our kids. Our goal is to maintain self-control and self-regulation instead of trying to regulate our child constantly. Now, this seems a little bit different, But the space trainers gave this amazing analogy of when our child first learns to walk. They get up, they wobble a bit, maybe they fall down and get a few scrapes, maybe they start to cry a little bit. But do we as the adults also start to cry when that happens? No, because if we did, we'd send a message to our child that I can't help you because I'm in the same place as you. And yet when our child struggles with anxiety, I hear so often parents, they're getting worked up too. They're worrying about their child's worry. Now, I experienced this personally. I'll never forget when one of my children was a toddler. And this particular child struggled with anger more than anything else. And when he would get angry, it would really trigger me. I would get nervous about his anger. And I'd begin to think, oh, no, if he's this worked up now, you know, what's going to happen when he's 16 or 25? Or is he going to need anger management classes? His anger made me anxious. And he could feel it. Because in those moments, I'd look at him like, what is wrong with you? And I'll never forget the day that I realized this. 
he had this little anger outburst. And instead of getting kind of anxious or dysregulated myself and trying to control him or control his behavior, I just looked at him and said, you know, your anger doesn't scare me, buddy. I know you feel out of control, but I'm here and I'm in control and I'm here to help. And I think before that moment, his anger probably scared him too because the grown-up in the room didn't feel confident she could handle it. So how could he? And I think it's the same with our kids and anxiety. If you're having trouble with your emotions to your child's anxiety, maybe such that saying a supportive statement like the ones I mentioned earlier seems impossible to you because it's really hard to let your child go through that process of learning, it might be time to get some support for yourself as you support your child. Now, the other piece to space that I'm not going to go into too much detail on because it's really personally identified, but I do want to touch on it here. It's the part about decreasing accommodations. So I mentioned earlier, you increase support and you decrease accommodations. So as we talked about, accommodations are the things that we do that our child's anxiety is compelling us to do, but these things aren't actually increasing our child's ability to cope. Okay, so ordering for a child at a restaurant would be an accommodation or repeatedly reassuring a child when it's clear that their anxiety is driving the conversation would be a form of accommodating. So for me, changing my date night budget to DoorDash and staying in for months because my little one couldn't tolerate me leaving due to a separation anxiety, that was a form of accommodation. Now in space, we ask parents to list out all of the accommodations they're doing to prevent their child from facing their anxiety. And then we ask them to pick one to stop doing first. Now, this is a whole process to go about this. And so if you are interested in it, I'd highly suggest reading Dr. Lebowitz's book about this. He's the founder of Space. And the book is called Breaking Free of Childhood Anxiety and OCD. Or you can visit the website and find a trained provider. But essentially what you'll be doing in the process is picking an accommodation. Then you craft your supportive statement. So this would be something like, I know this is hard for you, and yet I believe you can do it. And then walking out a well-crafted plan to help your child face their anxiety and gain confidence in the process. Now, it's crucially important to do this in a supportive way, not just like, okay, you need to face your fears unconditionally or stop acting like a baby. Or I think the most common well-intended phrase is like, oh, that's not really scary or it's not scary at all as if we can determine what's scary to a whole different human being. Dismissing the child's feelings or being critical isn't supportive. And remember, supportive statements are the foundation for this treatment. So we do want to start with that, that validation. I know this is tough. I know this is hard for you. I know this makes you nervous, those kind of things. That's supportive. So it really is possible for us to help our children or teens overcome their anxiety-induced limitations. It's not easy, and it won't change overnight because we didn't get here overnight, right? But I really want to encourage you guys to give this a try. So you can start small by increasing support and decreasing an accommodation. And the result is you may just find this child emerge beyond their anxiety 
who feels empowered, isn't paralyzed by their fear, and who doesn't shrink back when they feel anxiety, but rather internalizes that sense that started with your parental confidence of them that, you know what, this may be hard, and yet I can handle it. So with that, I want to thank you guys so much for joining me today. Definitely miss Chuck, but this is a psychology-heavy part of the Faith and Psychology Marriage here at the Positive Talk podcast. Um, but we, we like to do that. We like to focus on both, sometimes one or the other. Ultimately, our goal is to merge faith and psychology. And we do believe that in doing that, we can all live a far more peace-filled and purposeful life. And learning how to work through anxiety is a key piece in this. Now, we'll be back next week with Chuck for another episode where we're going to tackle something really interesting. We're going to talk about how to handle arguments with your kids. And for those of you who've been accommodating your anxious child a lot, and if you start by removing one of those accommodations, guess what? There might be some arguments. So we want to equip you in how to handle that. We'll unpack what you can do to avoid those moments or work through them next week on the Positive Talk podcast. And as always, remember, you can always find all of seasons one through three and this season, season four of the Positive Talk podcast on our website, positivetalkpodcast.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Positive Talk Podcast. So thanks again for listening in today. I hope this was helpful for you just to give a brief overview of how we could start to help empower our kids to move through their anxiety. Hope you have the best week and I'll say it for Chuck. Go in peace. Thank you for joining the conversation on this week's Positive Talk podcast. You can always find seasons one through three on our website at positivetalkpodcast.com. If Julie and Chuck shared something that inspired or encouraged you, please share this episode with friends, family, and your social media platforms. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Positive Talk Podcast. As always, thanks for joining us and go in peace.